The Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. I remember having the argument with Jack before and kind of going, Jack, if this shit doesn't work, you better put me back out in the field and don't be whipping, don't whip the big donkey out of full forest. <laughs> Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. They're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and welcome along to episode four of the Koi Gate Pod, OTB's home of everything Women's Super League and women's football. I'm Kathleen McNamee and with me as ever is former Ireland international MP United's Karen Duggan. Karen, I hope you're feeling a little bit better this week. <laughs> um, slightly, still very raw. Um, just about thought out after being in Tala last night at the FAI Cup final between Shells and Wexford, which again was equally hard to watch, but being on the outside um, from a P-Man point of view, but particularly the second half, it, it was a really, really good football played by Wexford. Um, Shells obviously aren't going to care too much given that they have the comfort of those league medals to keep them warm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really good game and yeah, the the, the pain is is dissipating little by little but it will go on for a long time <laughs> was there any comfort in seeing the results at the end like any tiny little bit? i know you said they had the league medals to keep them warm but there must have been a tiny bit of you that was like okay. no i'm not bitter at all no <laughs> i wouldn't be like that no <laughs> um do you know what you would think a little bit um but you could just couldn't take away from Wexford's performance and whoever you were going for, you, you, I think everyone would agree that their second half, um, that they deserved it. Um, Shells had, had a good bit of possession. They obviously are such a technical team and very comfortable in position, but their final ball and their, their, some of their passing in the first half was just letting them down. And instead of kind of capitalizing and, and tidying that up, Wexford came out, got in their faces and just didn't give them a chance to settle. And it was I feel like it's probably a performance that has been coming from Wexford for a while. People are always saying, oh, they're strong, they're tough, but they've got some really, really good players and none more so, I'd say, than Kylie Murphy, the way that she brings those girls in around her. She's moved positions and then you've got stars like Ellen Malloy and um, uh, a few others there that that just shone on the day and, and they're well worth their win. Yeah, it was a really great match and it was great as well to see the record attendance there on the night, especially, as you said, on what was a very cold Sunday evening. Um, but maybe we might get into it a bit more later on in the podcast. Uh, the Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports is an association with Cadbury FC, official snap partner to the Republic of Ireland's women's national team, which is obviously a very exciting week for all involved in that with the internationals coming up. So every week we are your go-to for everything women's football from the WSL to the Irish national team will be ready in your podcast feeds every Tuesday with all the latest news, analysis, reaction to the biggest breaking stories. We'll also have our team of the week, which we will have a little bit later on in the podcast, thanks to OTB's Emma Carroll. And we'll have a feature interview with some of the top names of Irish women's football. This week, our guest is particularly apt and we'll with the national break underway, we will be joined by women's national team assistant coach and Irish under 16 head coach, Tom Elms. So looking forward to having a chat with him a bit later on, maybe get a bit of a insight into what's going to go down on Thursday. Um, but to reflect on the weekends that was in the WSL, no major surprises in the fixtures. I suppose one of the best games or most entertaining one was probably West Ham and Tottenham just 
because of how well Tottenham have been performing this season. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think based on form, you would have said Tottenham would would win it. But it, at the end of the day, it's one of those London derbies. And, and West Ham are becoming increasingly difficult to beat at home. Um, I know their manager was talking about the support they get, saying that they have the best supporters in the league. And it's, it's an element of that and creating a fortress. But they also have a lot of quality in there. And um, Brian's dossier, she was excellent. And, and they're mean in defence as well, which is, it was good to see. Um, Tottenham... Like we know, they're not a hugely expansive team, but they've been very, very difficult to beat and they've been grinding out results. Um, but West Ham stood up to the test and and were worth their win. They definitely were. And I saw there was some good back and forth between the teams on Twitter. After yeah, a bit of crack. That's what you want to see from a, a local derby though. And, and that's the kind of thing that fans feed off. So I think that's that's good out of their admin. And you, know, you like to see more of that. Yeah, definitely. It was good crack. And I guess you involved in it as a neutral if you're not interested in it, but you, it is a derby game. You can mm-hmm. kind of get into things a bit more. One game that, pro- like again, this wasn't exactly a surprise result, Chelsea and Birmingham. I just thought it'd be an interesting one to talk about considering everything that has happened with Birmingham over the last week. Um, if anything, they probably did well to get away with it being just 5-0. Um, but yeah. You they absolutely in. did. Yeah. I mean, new coach, a lot of upheaval and, and the, the departure was pretty sudden. I mean, everyone knew coming into the season that it was going to be a really, really big ask for Scott Booth and for Birmingham, given the just how new the squad and how new most of those girls are to the WSL and trying to get up to speed. So like it was always going to be a tough job. Is sacking him now the right thing? It, it remains to be seen. Um this was a result that was only ever going to go one way and at half time when it was four and just how how alive Chelsea were looking um, really looked just sharp all around the pitch. Didn't ever look like they were ever going to be under pressure. They dropped off a bit in the second half, but sometimes that happens. Um, so like, like you say, I think Birmingham did well to keep it to five, particularly after that first half. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The BBC had a piece on the Birmingham departure and just how sudden it was and kind of saying that sources had told them that there were players in the team that felt like they were treated like second-class citizens, that a lot of the issues that were brought up last season hadn't actually been changed or anything. And also that they were basically not sure that the team would even be able to lessen the gap with the rest of the WSL that it made. I mean, obviously they're not bottom at the moment. That's still Leicester, but um, do you think that there is a way for Birmingham to go? Um, at the moment, it's it's not looking good unless they're going to get heavy investment. Um, and when girls are hearing this, especially we've got a lot of girls there, so we're heavily invested in, in how Birmingham City are going to do. And that's just going to create uncertainty. And these girls are probably uncertain nearly going over or joining Birmingham. It's their first time in the WSL. And and for that, that's not going to help any of those players. And, and for them to nearly think already, oh, we might even have a team next season, that's not going to help their development in any way. So Birmingham, um, whoever it is in the board, they need to start putting out some reassurances because these rumours are going to keep rumbling on and on. Um, and they're not going to be helped by results like this. The girls will always do their best. That's a given. I think that they do fight as much as they can. Um, but if those second-class citizen allegations are true, we've seen <laughs> seen it in our own um, international camp, they can be detrimental, massively detrimental to a team's progress. And if those items that were raised last year weren't addressed, then there's no way that Birmingham are going to improve. It's just it's just a matter of fact that you have to have the correct backing. You have to have the correct investment. There is only so much the girls can do by themselves and the manager. 
Definitely. And a very well-needed win for Manchester City. Uh, it looks like a bit of a thrashing, but if you actually watch the game, it wasn't as steady as it looked. And I'd say Gareth Taylor, especially going into the international break, is thanking his lucky stars that came when it did. Yeah, he absolutely needed that win. And like you say, it looks like a thrashing, but... Aston Villa are very hard to break down. Like I'm looking at them with the with Birmingham and Leicester and they're nine points ahead of Birmingham. They're 10 ahead of Leicester. And I don't see them being involved in that bottom two battle just because of how nasty they almost are to play against. They have five at the back, they have four in front and their striker, she gets back in, in the defensive action as well. So I think that they'll grind out a, a good few draws um, as the season goes on and that should keep them safe. And Man City, yeah, look... They won't worry too much about the performance. I think the introduction of Razo was good. It gave them a new dynamic. I think that Weir showed her class. Um, she broke that deadlock when they needed it most. Um, and then you, you still have Stanway and Scott filling in centre-back. So they still do have their injury problems. So you're hoping that those will start to dissipate. Uh, and more rest will be there now during the international window. And they'll certainly welcome that, and especially off the back of a much-needed win. Mm. And with it being the week it is, we couldn't let it away without mentioning the Ireland game on Thursday. Um, I've already made Katie McKay promise me they're going to win because it's my birthday on Thursday and it'll be really sad if they don't. <laughs> so they have to doubt that. Yeah, it's, they it's, do. It's, um, but look, now at this point, we're at a stage where we're saying this team has developed and we're saying that if this team has developed, then this should be two wins out of two. And that'd be a fantastic way to, to end um, 2021. And not only do we want them to win, if this if we're saying that this team is developed and this team is is the best team we've had, then they'll comfortably beat Slovakia. We've we've always kind of beaten Slovakia, but I don't think we've ever been fully comfortable and that there is that the type of team that could bring you into a scrap. But I'm looking at this team now and they're saying, yeah, we're developed and they're starting to play some good football. And if they are, I do expect them to, to dominate possession and really show that in this game. I think even more so than the Finland game where they did have large periods where they had to defend um, they couldn't quite show their flair. I think that this is the opportunity to show really where the development is. Mm. If you had an eye on the OTB social channels over the weekend, you may have seen that we are actually giving away some tickets to the game against Georgia on November 30th. And to enter the competition, you had to ask Karen some questions. So I have our winners here. Karen, are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> so uh, at Brona Doctor asked, there's a lot of stalwarts in the squad, McCabe, Fahey, to name a couple. Do you see it being a struggle for younger players like Neve Farley to get more minutes? At the moment, um, unfortunately, I do. I think the opportunity to to try and change it was during all of those friendlies and we saw kind of limited changes and we were still doing the putting Louise up front trying to get a result at the end. And I was a bit disappointed with that. But at the same time, they've nailed down a team that has been very consistent and very... um, I couldn't fault anyone really um, in the first two games. So at the moment, it is looking like it's going to remain a steady kind of starting eleven. And unfortunately, unless there's a bad result in the mix, people aren't going to ask for changes. So I think it could take time and it will be dependent on results. Um, I think that there's great talent there and it will continue to be nurtured and they're going to develop and they're going to benefit from training. But yeah, at the moment, I don't see too much upheaval in that starting 11. And our second question comes from at Adrian Whelan 16. Um, Karen, it's often said you haven't accrued as many international caps as you should have. Ditto with players like Kylie Murphy and Pearl Slattery. Is playing domestically or not full-time professionally still a big impediment to national team opportunities? Um, 
it's hard for me to say because I'm not part of the current setup. I can say under um, Colin that it was. He he started the big push to go abroad and it was only kind of the underage girls who were involved in um, the Women's National League who were being blooded into the squad. Uh, there was a big push to go abroad. You see that in the likes of Amber Barrett, who we had on the podcast last week, um, Claire Reardon. We now see Claire Walsh, Eleanor Ryan Doyle. There is still that push. And the reason a lot of those girls are going abroad is with the view of making that Irish team. Um, and as much as I love the Women's National League and I've always been a massive fan, I think that they're trying to become more professional. And unfortunately in Ireland, we just don't have the resources at the moment. So you understand the push to go pro. Definitely. Well, thank you again, Karen. Look forward to doing this all next week. If you have any opinions, suggestions or thoughts for the podcast, get them into us on Twitter, especially this week with the Ireland game. We want to hear everything that you think about the squad, the match, the pre-build up, whatever it is we want to hear. Uh, you can get us at off the ball using the hashtag OTB Koi gig. Now, it's that time of the week where we all turn, take our friendships, put them aside, fight for our beliefs and deliver who is the best players of this week's WSL. And that, of course, means Emma Carroll is here with us on the pod. Emma, how are you? Good. Good. It's been a good. busy weekend. Feeling confident. The started shone this weekend, I felt. <laughs> I felt, you know, previous weeks we, we got some players that wouldn't usually be in the spotlight. And this weekend, I think all the big names came out to play. They certainly have. Well, do you want to give us your team of the week? Yep, sure. In gold, green tinted glasses, uh, Grace Maloney. Um, left back, Katie McCabe. Uh, Centre-backs, Eriksson, Maya Letizier and Hayley Rasso. Um, in midfield, I've gone for two of Kim Little and Caroline Ware, the Scottish pairing. Um, then at three of Hemp, Miedema and Kirby and Kerr up front. And... Yeah, I've just managed to squeeze McCabe and Rasso into that team because yeah. they've played in those <laughs> positions before. I think that's the first thing we'll address, Kathleen. <laughs> they've played there before, nowhere near there this week. They were like corner forwards this week. Yeah. They were so high. They were brilliant this week in those yeah, forward they positions. Were. But uh, so was Hemp and Kirby and Kerr and Miedema. And I was like, I can't leave any of these out. So um, yeah, I wanted to squeeze everybody in. So all out attack, really. Um, even Ericsson this weekend was like practically playing in midfield at times um well no uh, what I was going to say about that team is I actually don't think there would have been any defending done uh I was kind of surprised that you did say green tinted glasses I was a bit surprised at Grace Maloney's entry I thought Mackenzie Arnold probably really deserved a shout in but she gave like had some incredible saves and what a massive win for them over the weekend yeah Mackenzie Arnold did have a good performance yeah and getting a win over Spurs as well was a big team but yeah, as I said I watched Reading um, this this weekend as well and Maloney done well she kept a clean sheet made saves and read the game when she needed to um, and yeah little did we know that the goalkeeper down the other end of the field was about to also put her um, her gloves in the in the ring as well to be competition for Maloney so I thought Maloney had a good game um, but yeah Arnold also brilliant goalkeeping this this weekend yeah one night um query now she's my favorite player to watch and but we only got 
40 something minutes of her is Kim Little. Um, obviously, she's a magician. We love watching her. But I thought that just um, in the middle, there's probably a couple of other people that were in with a shout. Um, just looking at the, the home run West Hammer on uh, brains.ie, I think she's brought a lot to, to that team um, in all of those home, home performances. And she had a big part, obviously, in that massive derby win um, popping up with the goals. So I'd be putting her in with the shout. Um, what do you think, Kathleen? Definitely. Um, I think a few others that I thought was missing that maybe, again, not the sort of players that we wouldn't always include in this sort of team was one was, I'm probably going to, I apologize, but I hopefully will pronounce this right, is uh, Justine Van Hever, mate. Uh, I thought she was really impressive. Um, I hope that that pronunciation was <laughs> as impressive. We'll go with it. Uh, but she obviously, she scored as well and she helped out a lot at the back. And um, so if we were looking for a less like forward focused team I think she definitely well I suppose she scored so <laughs> maybe yeah. it, it even yeah. adds into the forward focus <laughs> definitely and it's the same with Weir I mean she has probably been one of the few shining lights for City um, it does, so it's good to see her popping up with a goal because it kind of gives her again the spotlight because she's she's been working really really hard for them um i'd give a special mention to tash harding she was coach like she's she's a makeshift center half and simply because of that tackle she made it at one one nil um i think it was it was last ditch stuff like proper center back stuff so to to come into that position and if, again such an informed brighton team um i think she deserves a shout out but i couldn't really argue with Leticia or erickson or obviously i'm never going to argue with katie mckay being in that back line so um just just an honorable mention for her too just the fact that McCabe is in the back line and not further up the pitch. <laughs> Another player of the match performance, yeah. like right up high, um, which was brilliant this weekend. I did worry when she didn't get straight back up from that <laughs> tackle for the penalty, but then she got up and took the penalty and slotted home. So um, that was yeah. good. Yeah. And Hayley Rasso as well is one that's obviously been injured for Man City a lot. Came on with about, I think, half an hour, 25 minutes to go. And I think City were quite pedestrian up until that point, And she just gave a little bit of spark. It was a constant threat from the moment she came in, scored two goals and an assist. So yeah, I felt she had to be in there, but I also didn't see how I could take Kemp and Kirby out of team with the performances that they had to. So as I said, yeah, I just wanted to get everyone in. So. Yeah, I think she I think she deserved her nod there. Um to be fair. It looks like a thumping based on the result, but they actually found it quite hard to break Villa down and, and Russell did just provide a different element to that attack. So um I'd agree with that. Maybe not the positioning, but definitely her inclusion. I think we take a very loose positioning yes. <laughs> on this podcast when it comes to these teams. The only thing that's certain every week is Katie McCabe. <laughs> yeah, she just she hasn't yeah. That, that, I don't think that bit of the graphic actually edits. It just stuck. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just leave it there. And then um, obviously, Care up front with the hat trick. And should we seen the Care flip, somersault as well, whatever you call it, uh, which is always good to see. First half hat trick, she was just phenomenal. And Chelsea were brilliant to watch, actually. We're just one of those games where they look unplayable. They were really enjoyable. I, as I was watching the game, I was like, if Emma doesn't have Kerr and Kirby in her team, like, that's it. We just can't do another team of the week ever again because they were just so impressive, the two of them. Um, Even Lauren James as well. She's going to be so exciting to watch as the season progresses and she comes back to fitness because, oh, she yeah, just magical, some of the touches that she made as well in such a young age. The James family has good genes, obviously. Yeah, two <laughs> players banging for him. And yeah, yeah, like you say, she has only more to come. Yeah, and I think it's great as well the way that 
Emma Hayes has been dealing with her at Chelsea. You know, she seems to be giving her time. She's not throwing her in the deep end, both to recover, but as well, like even playing with the academy team and stuff, all that sort of thing is really important for a player of Lauren James's quality, I think, especially at a young age. Mm. Emma, thank you so much for that. Um, you'll be back next week, I hope, with another team and we'll be able yeah. to see who has retained their spots. <laughs> We might, we might have to update the team of the season next week so that could be a big one oh, for yeah. international break so gives <laughs> us more you. scope to hammer you <laughs> we might do a little Ballon d'Or preview maybe at Ballon because I think that's next Monday evening we could do a little team of the season internationally we'll see well that's just like a nice little teaser for everyone listening <laughs> for next week um, but if you have any thoughts or opinions on our team do you agree about Katie McCabe's inclusion always do you think there should be a different goalkeeper? Let us know at OTB, hashtag OTB Koi Gig on Twitter. Now, I'm very excited to say it's time we brought in our special guest for this week's Koi Gig pod. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Kathleen, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's it's just me. Normally we would have Karen here too, but you've just got me this evening. <laughs> um I suppose just to start off, like it's a very exciting week for the, well, week and a bit for the international team. What's the atmosphere like around the place? I know the squad kind of got together yesterday, I think. Yeah, so everyone's everyone's in now. Um, look, the, the, the atmosphere is really good. I think um, carrying from the, the previous camp, um, everyone's in good spirits and, uh, and looking forward to getting going again now with the next two games. Yeah, definitely. And... What is it like when you're kind of bringing a squad together in that way? Because, you know, everyone's flying in from different places. Some are based in Ireland, some are as far away as the US. What do you do as a coach, I suppose, on that like first evening or the first day to kind of bring the team together? Yeah, well, look, first of all, it's it's uh, it's a very tough, tough job. And obviously I'm not involved with that directly, but getting everyone in is uh, is a big task itself. And I just think, you know, we've got to settle everyone in as quick as we can. Um, I think at this stage now, the squad is starting to form and um, people are very familiar with each other. And I don't think it takes too long for them to, to kind of find their feet again and, and, and get back into a routine. Um, but I think when you look at the time that we have together, it's important that we that we do get everyone settled in quickly. Um, those are the key things. Um, get out to training, start enjoying that, get mixing again. Um, but also then starting to introduce, you know, our focus going in towards uh, the Slovakia game. And you're not new to the FAI setup, but I suppose probably new to the senior setup with the role as assistant coach as once uh, since Eileen Gleason has left. How did that all come about? Like, what was what were the conversations like? And were, was it Vera who approached you, or was it someone within the FAI say, "Would you like to take this on"? Yeah, well, obviously, I was I was doing the 16s um, for since since June. Um, and that was obviously going really well. And, you know, with Eileen moving on, uh, I think the, you know, the association wanted to keep the appointment in-house. We wanted to keep it a, a smooth transition. Um, so obviously with that little bit of international experience I had and knowledge around the league, um, look, it seemed like, um, like, a, like a, a good option. Um, and yeah, so I think between Rude, Doctor and, and, and Vera, they were quite happy. Uh, and then obviously approached myself to see if it was something, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to do. How have you found the experience of working with the under-16s? The under-16s is great. Um, it's great now that I can work at kind of both ends of the ladder. Uh, so we've seen the young players come in. Um, you know, we've introduced the National Academy this year. So, the, you know, the you know high-potential players are coming in from our centres of excellence. 
um, and they're training with us on a more regular basis now. We're getting to uh, introduce them to our structures a little bit sooner. Um, and I think what we're trying to do at 16s then is, is, is prepare them then going into comp- uh, competitive football at 17s and trying to increase the amount of contact days we have with them, increase the amount of experience they have of uh, playing international teams, um, traveling away. All these things are quite new for them. So we're trying to introduce them to these concepts. Um, and I have to say, like they're, they're a really great group to work with. I think the future is definitely bright with what's coming through, especially with our 2006 group I'm currently working with now. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, it's really enjoyable. Yeah. Really enjoy it. Great. And I suppose from like the senior squad, it's great to have someone like yourself on board who has seen players, like even looking for the future, you've obviously worked within the league. Now you're working within the national setup. You have a great kind of range of experience for the senior squad and not just now, but for the squad going into the future, but start looking back at kind of your time with the league I suppose one of the things that comes up quite a lot and we talk about quite a lot on the show is development and what the league can be doing better what we can be doing better from like a grassroots situation for you when players are coming in at that like under 16 level like what what is the best things that they can be exposed to before I suppose they even get to you and you're showing them stuff like professional coaching setups or traveling and all those different things. I think one of the, obviously there's a lot of players here now in the international squad that weren't in the international squad when I was working in the league. Um, so I think you have to recognize the the platform that the league does give players. Um, for example, you know, you've got Savannah McCarthy who's come in and played the last couple of games and they're really, really well. Um, so the league does support that opportunity for players and I think players can really make the most of the opportunity it's, it's up to them then um, from, from, from a perspective of, of younger players obviously again it's about taking opportunities and we encourage them to try and try and train, train with boys uh, where we can if it's possible and to the increased amount of training sessions they're doing but also the intensity of those sessions um, and it's something that really stands to them and it's not just our association doing that. There's a lot of associations trying to do that, um, encourage them to get, it, you know, get out of their environments uh, and, and be challenged that a little bit more. Cause sometimes that's the, that's the problem we have is that you know, players aren't being challenged enough. And I think sometimes we can very quick to you know, encourage them to move to England in order to get that. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily always the case. There are opportunities over in the UK, good opportunities. But I think what we're trying to do long term is, is try and make it feasible that players can 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 be in Ireland. They can they can play and train in Ireland and continue education and so on. And I think that'd be the long term goal if if that was possible. And do you think that I suppose that staying in Ireland and getting an education and all that that that's important and probably because it's not really a side that we think about too much. We talk about it a lot with the men's players who have gone over to England and how like uh, a lot of them have got have gone lost in that system because it is it's a big beast and I suppose women's football is becoming bigger and bigger we had um, Amber Barrett on the show last week and she was talking about how glad she was that you know she finished her college education before she went off and like moved abroad to play do you think that like providing those pathways for players is important yeah me personally I, I can't stress how important it is I think uh, young players have a, an education to fall back on. Um, you know, you, you talk in general of the percentage of players that actually make it to that top level. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the boys' game, but not only that. Now the women's game is growing um, at a very fast rate. 
Um, so more and more players have been exposed to opportunities over in the UK. Um, and, you know, and the dropouts, just, eventually it's going to be just as significant for, in the female game. Um, only, only, you know, females that might drop out probably haven't earned the money that their, their male counterparts may have done. Um, so it can make it very difficult for them. So, you know, personally, I think if we can support our young players with an education, first and foremost, it's, it's massively important. And look, some choose to do that in the US. Um, there's, there's, there's great experiences to be had over there. Um, if that's what they want to do and travel, um, you can do that. But I think you're seeing a lot of courses now, you know, offering sports scholarships, um, opportunities for players to stay and play uh, in this country. Um, we're seeing a number of institutions uh, aligning themselves with uh, National League clubs. Uh, again, you know, that, that kind of joints, you know, joints of approach and, the play, you know, teams then are getting the exposure to the players. They're getting immediately regularly training and in a good environment. Um, and then education-wise, we're making sure our players are getting that on the side. And you know, if you can, if you can do the, if you can do the two and combine the two at the same time, um, I think it'd be better for you. You know, shouldn't always be in a rush to to jump into professional football. Um, but if it's there, it's a tough decision at the time. But um, you know, I think it's really, really important. Like you said, Amber, Amber mentioned it. She's she's in professional football now. She's loving it. Um, as other players that are in similar positions and they've all gone and got their their degrees, their their education is behind them. And look, when that when that time comes that either they've reached the end of their playing career um, or if their playing career is cut short in any you know in any fashion, um, that they have that to fall back on. Uh, I think that's really important. Yes, because that's the thing as well. You can't discount someone getting injured and not being able to keep playing or whatever it is. There are so many different things, I suppose, that can step in your way I, I remember Fran Kirby talking about it very eloquently when she had her heart condition she just never considered that she would be doing anything other than playing football at that stage in her life and it kind of made her reconsider what she wanted to do and how she was approaching things on top of the providing the pathways and the education do you think that moving the league towards a more like semi-professional setup is another thing that would be helpful in terms of keeping players in Ireland maybe bringing them through the pathways here in a way where they're not going off and then coming back? I think, look, in, in the long term, it's, it's definitely the direction you, you want to try and go in. Um, I think you've seen a lot of clubs um, taking great steps in the last couple of years, aligning themselves uh, closely with institutions, um, but also aligning themselves quite closely within the men's side of their clubs. Uh, and I think that if, if, if that's um, a good deal between the two, it can greatly benefit them. I think I was at the cup final um, yesterday. And to, Did you enjoy it? <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good day. Um, but I'll tell you one of the most impressive things about it was to see the amount of Shells fans. That, that Look, there was a lot of Wexford fans there. There was a lot of Shells fans that I would have said that maybe six months ago would have been classed as um, men's team fans. And they were there supporting the team on, um, regardless of, of gender, they were there to support their club on. And it was fantastic, it added to the spectacle. Um, it brings a lot of um, professionalism as well towards games, see crowds at games. I think we've got a lot of underpinning work to do first in terms of our infrastructures. Um, you know, so many of our, our, our facilities are underdeveloped at the moment uh, and we need to improve that. Um, I think coaching wise, that's improving all the time. 
seeing good female and male coaches progressing in the, in the female game. Uh, and that's important. Um, but I think, you know, the pool of players as well, it's something that, again, you know, if you want to keep players here, the standards have got to be good. And I think that's something, again, we're seeing with the National League, it's improving all the time. Uh, I think the final game of the season between Galway and, and, and Pima was a, was a fantastic fixture um, for, the, for the two teams that were involved. And, you know, I think there's still that little bit of a, a distance between what people call the top three in the rest of the league. But I don't think you're seeing them bottom two or three teams in the league now that are really struggling. It's competitive down there. I think when we can start to bridge that gap a little bit more and, uh, and, it, and it encourage you know, more players to be playing in the league at different clubs and, and then clubs getting stronger and stronger, um, when the league is really, really competitive, I think it'll be more you know, beneficial for players to be, to be here in this country. Um, you see some going on to Scotland and that's not always rosy either because there's, there's only three team, a three-team league over in Scotland. Um, and that's, look, that's, you know, how beneficial can that be to some of the clubs? But I know that players, I mean, but I know they might be training full-time, but we can definitely work to create that environment here as well. Definitely. And you mentioned about going to the cup game and that was an enjoyable experience. Obviously it was great as well. I think it was the highest ever attendance. And I've seen a lot of people talking about the fact, I think they were referred to as the shells ultras were out in force and it did just create a great atmosphere. But when you're watching Wexford play in a big match like that, like what, what are the things going through your head? Do you feel any sense of, I don't know, claim or anything over, not claim, but like, do you feel a bit more involved in it? Or like, do you feel that you contributed towards a win like that? Or is it very much that once you leave a team, that's you gone, you're like, shut off? No, it's impossible. It's impossible to shut off. And especially when you've been involved with a team like Wexford, where you, know, you probably hear it a lot, it's, it's very much a family club. Um, and that's, that's parents, players, staff, everybody. It's, uh, they're all in one. So, yeah, it's difficult when you see them. Um, obviously, I was still actually coaching Wexford this year at the start of the year before before Stephen came in. And I think one of the great things was, you know, Stephen was working with me and it was a, <clears throat> a seamless transition to Stephen going in. And I think he's con continued some fantastic work there with the team and the players have really responded well to him. Um, it's fantastic to see them. But yeah, you can't help but um, be, be, be cheering them on on the sideline <clears throat> despite me trying to stay as neutral as I can. But uh you always want to see your team do well. Um, I'm sure it will get easier as, as time goes on. But uh, yeah, I felt a little bit of, um, you know, not, not, not necessarily ownership, but uh, yeah, I was, I was really proud to see, see them perform the way they did, both the, the players and the staff and, and everyone involved. It was great. If there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast is that in the like national setup, there's a good level of banter between all the girls that did play in the league and whenever we have some of the Shells girls on and they're talking to Karen about different things at P-Mount, there's, there's a lot of banter. So I'd say you'll probably be allowed your little moment of claim and happiness over it. There was a split camp anyway yesterday, so... <laughs> right. It won't come back to bite you too much. <laughs> and... Having, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the fact that, you know, the end of the league was so good. You've obviously been involved in it for several years. It's something that a lot of people have said coming on here that it felt like 
it, there was a bit of a change in the league this year. There was a change in the amount of people that were watching it. Obviously, it was a lot more accessible. I know the sort of people that have been asking me about it are not people I would have classed before as women's national league fans but they're kind of getting into that spirit of oh well i support this team so why wouldn't i support the women's side or whatever now that you're like slightly outside of the league like have you got that sense as well that people are becoming a lot more interested in a way that they possibly haven't been before yeah i think the the way the shells won <coughs> excuse me if I'm, if I'm correct the way the shells will start they um they played pima at home uh, in a really big game and uh, I think the club put it out there to fans I think it was the first that's what it was it was the first time spectators was allowed back in and they used Tolka as a trial and um, obviously the club then put it out to all their fans and the fans just wanted to see some live football and they came in I think it was that was it that 4-3 thriller it was a really big game there this year and the, the fans just couldn't believe it they were like what a game what a game of football between two clubs um there's obviously a little bit of controversy at the end with Pearl Slattery kissing the badge and all that sort of stuff. But look, that, that adds to it. And, the, you know, the fans couldn't believe how, how good of a game it was, how competitive. And um, they just wanted to keep going. And so they have. Um, you know, you mentioned, the, you know, the TV deals. Um, you've seen it on leagueofireland.ie uh, on, on the TV. So we've seen it on them. Um TG Cahill getting involved as well now is, is superb. So people are getting more exposure to it. I think when we come back to our point about, you know, growing the amount of participation, all these things help. All these things help that young females are at home and they're seeing females on the telly playing football, just like they might see the Saturday afternoon um, kickoff, you know, in, in the Premier League. They can also see a Saturday evening game um, in the National League here in this country. And I think it's it's absolutely huge and we need to, to keep doing those sort of uh, activities. Um, but I think, you know, one thing is if, if people get themselves out there and watch it, there's nothing better than watching a game live. And if we can, if we can get more people out watching it live, then they'll, uh, they'll just get hooked. And like you said, they'll start claiming their team and, and hopefully following them. Mm -hmm. And for you as a coach coming into the national setup, if you were to look back and, however many years you spend with the team, say it's three or four or five years, whatever. What's the one thing that you would like to have had an impact on for, I suppose, the Irish women's setup? That can be under 16s and the senior squad. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Okay. Um, I think, you know, long-term, it'd be great to see the progression of some of our young players. It'd be absolutely fantastic. And that's not just me. That's, that's the work of myself, uh, James Scott, uh, Dave Connell all working within the underage uh, teams and, and progressing and all the coaches that are with us but it'd be great to see more and more um, young players coming through um, short term wise it'd be great to see this group of players we have now really do well um, I think the, the performance we've seen up to date have been really positive and I think we're starting to see things come together now um, I think the performance against Sweden was, was overall was excellent um, very unfortunate to concede in the manner that we did um, look, that's football as well sometimes. Um, but then again, even even Finland, Finland are a, you know a top side, um, and to to get the result uh, in the manner that we did is an extremely uh, big positive to bring forward. And that's what we're trying to you know convince the girls now is that they're more than capable of of doing well in this group, and they're more than capable of of, of qualifying. Um, and I think that is what I'd like to do over the short term is really support them as much as I can in, in any way they need me to. Um, to help us do that because um, I think 
this team you know, qualifies for a major tournament, I think it will um, have such a, a knock-on effect, you know, uh, I think in terms of what happens then at grassroots and, and so much around getting to a World Cup would be absolutely um, huge for the development of the, the game here. Yeah, I, actually nearly every week now I have people in my DMs on Twitter or Instagram sending me photos of like young girls, say like under 12, under 13 teams that have either just started or like expanding massively and just saying like they've never had the, I suppose, the the numbers that they needed or the interests in the game. So I think what this team has done over the last couple of months in particular really has caught some interest. I mean, it's a pity we're not going to be at the Euros next summer because I think that would have been an incredible opportunity um, to grow that even more. But from where we started, I think it, it is really positive. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck with the matches during the week. We will all be watching. I've said this to everyone I've met, but it's my birthday on Thursday. So like, you need to win. Otherwise, I will be very, very sad. <laughs> Mention to everybody and, and tell them it's a non-negotiable now. We have to win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that is it for this week's Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Thanks so much to you, Tom, for giving us your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And if anyone has any questions, thoughts, opinions on anything talked about on the podcast, please do get them into us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Off the Ball and hashtag OTB Koi Gig. Karen and I will be back as usual next Tuesday. And of course, we will have Emma's team of the week. Thank you for joining us and see you next week. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.